Oh, ba 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 brand. Ba 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 brand. That's about it. That's it. That's all I needed, Hayes. <laughs> I love it. That was amazing. Every morning for your daughter? No. Every morning in the car, she always asks to sing ba ba ba. And it's turned into Barbara, and now she's fully jamming the whole way to school. <laughs> I love and- it. That's amazing. All right, welcome to the show. We had a little bit of technical issues there, but we solved it. It's all good. Uh, where are you? You're in Montreal? Yeah, okay. beautiful, sunny Montreal today. Yeah, it's not cold yet. You guys haven't gotten a typical Montreal winter yet. Oh, it's 21 today, so we're great. It's weird, eh? The West Coast is getting a bunch of rain, and it's starting to get chilly, which I love because they've been bolstering how warm and beautiful it's out west and i'm like uh whatever you vancouver people <laughs> oh yeah well we're uh normally it's cold by now but that's what i figured i know no complaints no no complaints we're gonna enjoy it all right hayes hayes newman is on the show today uh we're talking uh, i guess it's hayes newman uh design yeah okay and then your your position you gave yourself the position of the director that's how we're going to yeah. call it director captain the capitan that's what it's going to be man the the big chief triple w h n dot design just design no dot com no dot ca just dot design to reach you is info at hn dot design and on instagram it's hayes newman design um we're going to talk a lot about uh design and furniture and commercial space Working. residential commercial millwork millwork all kinds of stuff man you've been doing it for a decade now uh you're a young cat man like how old are you 32 yeah you're a baby man i'm 50 dude i could be your dad <laughs> it's like i'm yeah i'm getting up there in age man it, it happens but like i feel like i have the body of a six-year-old in a 32 year old's body so <laughs> so it's uh it's, it's a weird setup i want to do a little shout out to joe saint angelo for uh, giving me the t-shirt tip top exteriors he does a lot of amazing siding work out in the greater niagara area thank you so much joe for the tea and uh that's about it for the shout out so right now we're gonna have a really interesting show i want to talk about uh design and uh I want to get into your whole world. Where did it all start, Hayes? Like, where did it all begin there? Uh, since I was a kid, I kind of wanted to do this, build build things, build, be involved in construction. And uh, coming from a background of people that were never in it. So it, it was kind of a weird entry. You're the lone uh, gunman? Nobody else in the family? Nothing? No, my dad, my dad asked me to hang pictures on the wall. <laughs> well, and does your dad have a DeWalt? Is that what he's using? No, no, no. No, no. All right. No, only me. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, I know. I actually I'm fascinated because usually it's passed down, right? Usually there's uncle, dad, somebody, mom, somebody in the business that's uh, kind of saying, okay, get into it. Get into it. Yeah. No, as a kid, I was always interested in people working in the house and like uh, what they did or how they fixed it up. And high school, I started installing windows uh, with a company. And then I kind of wanted to do furniture and more more carpentry and like uh, stuff like that. So I bought a few tools, had it set up in my garage, kicked my parents out of the garage, uh, and and kind of created a small workshop there. And really didn't build much other than some shoe cabinets and like pretty much nothing. Uh, but it sparked the interest, passion. Found a school for it. Then picked up welding, went to cabinetry school, and. Uh, left there and realized that uh worked in the industry for a bit uh for for a pretty large shop 
for a few years, like all throughout school. And then from there, I realized that I'm not one to be in a company and I kind of want to run the show. Do it yourself. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I want to ask you, what school did you go to? It was there? Oh, I, I went to uh, Ecole Nationale de Meble Ministry. Okay. Yeah, it's a mouthful. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> so basically, it's a national school for furniture making and cabinetry. It's a four year, uh, no, a three year deck, uh, collegial degree here in Montreal. Pretty and, serious, uh, huh? It's a pretty serious school. Pretty serious school. Most of the guys graduate there. They end up working for Bombardier in like uh, custom airplanes and building out the cabinetry and millwork for interior of the jets or doing, uh, yeah, or doing drafting controls and stuff like that. Wow. So all what, the first class or any of the cabins? Does not matter? Just anything that's millwork wise for the planes? Yeah, typically you're, you're building out uh, custom jets like for. Oh, so serious. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm uh, not, the, I'm, the $85 yeah. million dollar planes that people buy and spend a fortune on fitting out with fancy uh, veneers on top of the uh, it's a aluminum honeycomb. And then a bunch of other guys go into industry like what, what we're doing, which is uh, commercial millwork, which Quebec's actually a pretty big hub, I think. It is. Of it. It is, yeah. Because uh, we have a bunch of companies here and we all, like we talk to each other and we all do projects in the States and like we're, we're kind of fulfilling a lot of demand in North America, at least from what I see. Yeah, for sure. My I, here. I was there in January. I was there with the Dosca uh, boys and then uh, we were doing, there was another millwork company. I, I, I uh, starts with a V. They were there and they were talking a lot of stuff that they do. And also they service the Americans as well. They get a lot of stuff made here for down there. Yeah. Oh, all right. So that was school. And then I want to ask you in the garage, what was the very first thing you built? Uh, first thing I built was a shoe cabinet. Out, out of, of what? For whom? Three quarter inch MDF uh, for myself with doors that flipped open. They would tilt open. Yeah. And um, yeah, that thing was fucking heavy. Was it? How oh, did yeah. you build it? What was the construction like for that thing? Uh, I did dados for pretty much everything. Yeah. And just kind of glued it together with uh, glue and screw with dados. And the thing was bomb, bomb proof. It was incredible. <laughs> but it was heavy. I did a full three quarter inch back, full three quarter inch sides going up. Full, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just completely overbuilt. What size was it? How big did you make it? I did uh, eight feet long by four feet high. Like oh. I went, I went. Heavy. Oh, you went heavy. You went serious. How many shoes oh, yeah. did you fit? What? How many shoes did you fit? Uh, my whole family's all wow. five of us. Yeah, <laughs> I, did, I I don't even think I fit everyone's, but yeah. And that was and how did you mount it? Just screwed it to the wall, kind of thing. That's it. Done. It yeah. So I, I realized after I built it that I had to put a screw into a wall to so it doesn't tip over. Otherwise, you take a shoe and you. Get a cast. Otherwise, you open up that door and all the shoes were kind of hinged on that door. And yeah. you would open it, it would just fall right over and uh. almost kill someone. But uh, that's the whole thing. So that was the very first thing. And then that sparked you to do what? More of those? Somebody else asked for it. And then it went from there? That sparked me to figure out what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. And I, I started doing, I built like night tables for myself. But basically, I, uh, then I moved out, outfitted my whole, uh, outfitted my whole, uh, my whole condo. With furniture, with night tables, bed, desk, and uh, yeah. You didn't buy anything. You just bought material and built it. 
I bought material, built it. I had an Ikea bed that was the only thing I ever bought, but I modified it and I had to fix the drawers probably about several times. Of course, as you yeah. would. As the cam, yeah. the camshaft, whatever, turn things were, were rattling out out of it and that's yeah. it falling apart. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, well, and then, uh, yeah, and then I started uh, pretty much out on my own after and it's been a weird journey how is that because i know that you weren't you were saying that you weren't built for working for somebody else and you're basically just leading down the path to go on your own and build your own brand how was that step was it a difficult one or was it a pretty simple one just to move out of there go to here um i realized that i was too ambitious for my age and how people would perceive me uh, like not not to be like sound like an asshole no no of course anything, yeah but like Back then, I, I feel like I was just too ambitious and like I wanted to run things and I want to go and like I had drive, I had passion. Like I see, I see the mature guys my like like that are twenty in their twenties. Actually, we just hired a, a really mature twenty three year old uh, welder uh, this week, and they're few and far between. And re realistically, like I, I understand and I, I felt it then that I just wasn't suited to stay there much longer and like really like be taken seriously and like i had another 10 years of dues to put in and i didn't have patience uh which was a blessing and curse because then i started out on my own in a small garage and uh you just got a bunch of tools you just got a bunch of tools and just went and took residential residential high-end furniture that i completely undersold underpriced as you would, Hayes, honestly, you don't have any. As you would, work, work six, 14, yeah. 16 hours a day. And then I got lucky because my landlord owned restaurants. And then he kind of pushed me in like, hey, could you do this instead of rent? Could you build this restaurant for me? <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. Instead of rent, can you build me this? <laughs> yeah. And so by the time then, and we, we were already like two people in the shop and we started, uh, I, I, got help from a friend that was basically like a renting space for me and give me a helping hand. And we built out a restaurant and then fell in love with that part of the game of the, the adrenaline rush, the, uh, you have six weeks to do something crazy and then you pull it off and it's great. It's good. And, uh, yeah. So, so, so I got some juicy questions. You're getting into an industry that plays with some pretty expensive machinery to get some yeah. serious products out. But before all that expensive machinery, what kind of tools were you running? Like, what were you buying to use? I'm assuming track saws. I'm assuming a regular, you know, biscuit joiner. I'm assuming little things, right? I started off with $15,000 and I had to kit out a shop with $15,000. So I had a rigid table saw, contractor table saw. I love it. I love uh, it. Yes. The best one, the best one you can get. I love it. It, it did a pretty good work. Yeah uh i had just a lunchbox planer that i got from my wife's grandfather who had a shop in the in his country house and then he didn't couldn't use it anymore so i got that and i bought a chop saw the wallet chop saw which we still have today nice uh, and then i bought uh i had my welding machine because i bought that ahead of time uh, a tig welder but i bought a bunch of steel to create my tables and plywood and i was lucky the space had its own paint booth so i bought an airless sprayer lucky okay yeah yeah we we took over it was an old uh mechanic uh 
uh, auto body shop Perfect. that wasn't being used. It was being used for storage. So the, they gave me a deal on it. And yeah, it was overrun by ra- uh, raccoons and squirrels, but that's a whole other story. You didn't want to hire them? <laughs> no, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it, it was, I had. Uh, they only work at night anyway. Market. Yeah. <laughs> I had a few doors for a Starbucks. It was like one of my, my first commercial gigs. And I was spraying at night and then I left. I sprayed a coat. I left. I went to walk my dog. I came back and there's a little footprints all over the doors. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was supposed to deliver the did next you find day. Them? Did, did you find that you had to sand them all over again and spray it again and start all over again? Man. Yeah. Did you yeah, find them? Least... Did you find the culprit? No, no, no. They took just, off. Uh, just put some more steel wool and spray foam and kept on going. That's <laughs> Funny. And then I guess a bunch of, I guess, drill drivers, impacts, chisels, or all kinds of little yeah. tools, hand tools here and I, there, right? I had my hand tools from school, but uh, yeah, it's a drill driver, Milwaukee. And uh, yeah, nice. that's pretty much it. I couldn't afford enough clamps. I remember at the start, we didn't have clamps. So I, I had a, my off outfield table, my table saw, I did a four by eight plywood yep. and I would just cut wedges. And I would use wedges to glue everything together. So that I would use wedges. And I had three actual nice Jorgensen I-beam clamps. And we would just clamp it like that. Wow. Smart. And then I actually each, like it. It's each smart. project, yeah. I would be doing, oh, it was so much better. It was so much quicker, actually, when I think back on it. Yeah. And I was telling you guys, actually, it was this week we were planning on how to build, a, like, a to glue up a donut. I'm like, oh, we need to just build clamp because they're like there's no way to clamp i'm like oh we just need to build wedges like this and they're all laughing at me like how do you know how to do why are you thinking like this i'm like this is how i used to do it let me tell you but, a back in the day story i'll tell you a back in the day that's how we came up oh, with yeah. wedges man it's smart honestly Hayes, that's a smart idea oh it's you could get a ton of pressure with that yeah like i was able to get kinks out of like some six inch wide uh solid oak pieces that's pretty nuts. So now today, what's the shop look like now compared to what it was at that very beginning? The studio was fifteen hundred square feet in that space, and then we moved into. I took over my neighbor's space there, which was another fifteen hundred square feet. So we're at like three thousand square feet. That was like in twenty fifteen, okay, or twenty sixteen. Yeah. And then, uh, then we were starting to. I was starting to feel tension in the neighborhood because. We we're technically operating in a space that was only permitted to have uh, auto body work. Uh, we were in Westmount, so it's a very, it's a pretty fancy affluent area of Montreal. Yeah, okay. And uh, we're only allowed to have auto body work only in this like one little alcove because it was grandfathered in. I don't even know how that existed. So I've been, I was driving my forklift around out in that shop, and then I kept on getting in trouble with uh, this, the the city security. Till they finally put, uh, they, they gave me uh, some fun. Well, they didn't even give me fines. They just told me, hey, you need to move out of here. Uh, and so then I found the shop over in uh, the north section, actual industrial area. Okay. And uh, now now we're in 10,000 square feet and have a, a pretty well-equipped shop with CNC's, uh, wide belt sanders, fully automated dust collection system outside, uh, a decent-sized spray booth, welding, like now we have a plasma tube cut, a plasma CNC tube cutter. So like we're uh, we we really kitted out the shop pretty well. Not bad, not bad for seven yeah. years, eh? And growing and building all that stuff and all the new toys that are in there. Yeah, it's a lot of new toys, and uh, now we're fifth. 
we're 15 people on the floor so it's a, oh. a decent size operation yeah and, very uh, good service this year we only did about uh we only did 75 jobs last year we did about 105 i think and yeah it's jobs range from just uh just like a a division wall like a glass and steel division wall or a, or a dining table all the way up to a full-scale 200 person restaurant doing everything from bathrooms tabletops table bases banquettes wall paneling ceiling panels you no, stop was that was that by choice the 75 jobs this year or was that just how the market kind of got to you that was kind of the scope and scale of the jobs that were involved in now is grown tremendously. Like okay. right now we're in the process of doing about, uh, I think it's about 725 linear feet of solid wood bonquettes for the, uh, ECAM. So it's the, the university Quebec and Malayal. So it's yeah. a big campus here in Montreal. And we're just doing all the cafeteria here in the Montreal campus. So how many benches is that at that? I mean, if you're doing a C shape, I guess, 700 uh, that's that's a lot man it's a lot there's like uh hold on i don't even have it in front of me i think it's about like 25 different units but oh. some units are like a 40 foot wall uh there's one unit that's a 60 foot wall and then an l so there's another section that's another 20 feet then i have one that's like a, a horseshoe shape that's uh that's a fun one that one's still i'm, I'm nervous to produce because it's it's eh, how many people you how many how many people you fit into that horseshoe shape that's a big table that's a big that's table. a big one yeah i can show you the, i can show you the drawings on it here but, <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know how you're gonna no no I, I, i'm fascinated by that man i'm just blown away that you're so young and you weren't ever nervous about expanding and now you got 15 employees and you got so many toys you got so many contracts i love the fact that i can only assume all word of mouth right one job led to another to meeting somebody else there was never any advertising from you right no i don't think we paid for advertising ever it's yeah. always been word of mouth and i have a commission-based salesman who does a lot of our sales work and uh he's really stepped up the bar with that and one thing led to another delivering projects well and uh yeah, I always tell my clients like the the best thing we could get from it is uh the best the best compliment to us is just another job. That's it. And that's it. And it's kind of worked its way up from there and building trust and just was introduced to the right people, right place, right time and uh probably undersold a shit ton of jobs my first four or five oh, years of course that's how you learn and, uh, yeah slowly learning that uh the value that we bring and what, what we could offer and really the value of the work that we have and how it provides and so it's it's been a lot of learning and uh really learning the office side has been my last like three years of struggle but that, that's a whole other thing. you're not are you doing that yourself or are you uh, hiring you have somebody else handling that side of the business i have currently we have uh two drafters locally uh one working now overseas also and then we also have uh i have one project manager here locally as well as i have like three support staff uh basically spread across the world wow uh, but are you not or am i wrong to think this that when you get designs coming in are they not giving you file no right they're not they're not uh, ready for you you got to still prep them all like we get drawings in from architects and designers and they're like what they want it to look like yes and then our job and like the f 
the creativity on our job is really figuring out like how to build it to achieve what they are looking of what they want it to look like or also advise them of the changes that need to be made uh for functionality sake um we we were on a job a, a restaurant job and i i didn't even think it, it didn't even cross my mind but they wanted the door to be inset and uh i think it was like two inches in from where it's opening so they didn't think that we need to have specialty hinges on that or anything. Like we had to switch it, all the standard hinges that they had in the spec out to sauce hinges. Love sauce and hinges. Really get, uh, I hate sauce hinges. We, we actually switch it to Tectus, I think it is. Yeah, the, I know which the tech, they're, they're sleeker looking, a lot sleeker looking. They're sleeker looking. The black ones are better and yes. they're adjustable. Yeah. Fully and adjustable. Really, huh? I've the sauce, I, I, I hate them because you can't adjust them. No, it's, you gotta, like, it's crosshairs, man. That's it. It's just done. That's where it's going. And you mess oh, it yeah. up. You got to start all over again. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the Tectus, you could adjust and like, uh, it, it's, it allows some, some, some play and some, some liveliness and a little bit less, uh, crossing your fingers and having to recut a 14 foot high door. It's, you don't want that else. stress, man. <laughs> I don't see any stress on you, Hayes. I mean, like you're doing everything in house because your segment, the guys that I know here in Toronto, they mm -hmm. don't necessarily do everything. Like they'll outsource something. Sometimes some guys don't get into the metal. I love that you're doing the metal. Are you also handling all the upholstery? You doing all the fabrics? Are you doing? Are you going out the with fabrics? That? We outsource. I have an amazing, super high end guy here, and I, I tell clients off the bat that I don't use the cheapest guy locally. Like we have, there's probably two guys in the city I could trust doing this work. And they're the ones that are the only ones I would send it to. And uh, yeah. For a very good reason, a, right? There's a, a reason behind the call. Oh, because I don't have a headache. Yeah. I, I don't want to deal with headaches on it. And I know that if I send it to him, it's going to get done well. It's going to get done right. And the clients will be happy with it. And it'll be better than what they're expecting. Uh, if you cheap out on upholstery, it, you regret it. You'll regret it quickly. Yeah. yeah. In a restaurant, it'll be worn down within a year. Exactly. If not even sooner. That's the problem. So it makes yeah. a lot of and that's what. And I'm sure you do this. Do you not do this when you go into places or if you're traveling or you go, you, you inspect, right? You take a look and you try to figure out what they did wrong or right or how good or bad. We try and figure out, like, yeah, pretty much. I, I go into a restaurant, I look at the decor, I look at who who did what, how did they cut the corners to, to achieve the budget? Because th <laughs> that's part of the game is, it is. is figuring out where you could sacrifice and where you can't. And like, what's the visual element that you're going to see? Like the wall behind you, that's a visual element that yeah. needs to have oomph in. Uh, unfortunately, behind me, it's nothing. I'm in a basement <laughs> office. But <laughs> don't worry, this took a little while to build, but it's done. Yeah. And I, am I going to do it again? No, I'll hire you to do it. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll ship it to you in pre made panels and send it in. That's and what I was going to ask. You do that. We CNC cut. I know. Presswood or whatever the backing is there. We'll CNC cut. Yeah. in for each slat and then just be able to have it like a jig, easy jigsaw puzzle as a panel you basically would put yeah. it on as panels then you would even tell that it's panels yeah that's really exactly. cool i guess in today's day and age and i guess with the last three years the way things have been you haven't really been doing any site visits it's all done virtually and but you don't get an opportunity to actually go like listen hey come to the place and take a look at the space you don't need to do that do you in today's digital age i I wish you could. I didn't have to do it as often as as, as I have. Are they uh, always asking you to do that? 
I still do well locally. I do do a ton of site visits to yeah. just check out the space and double check everything. Even uh, like we we we've done a lot of work in a mall over in Jer- in New Jersey. And even during the lockdown, when they said you're not allowed to cross the border, I was crossing the border, and like I got a letter from site saying I needed on site for, to to deal with the contract, and it, you still got pulled in for questioning. Like I would cross the border at three a.m., so you drive across there at three a.m. You get pulled in for question. Why do you think you're allowed to go into to the United States? And that's right. I got millwork to take care of. Leave me alone. No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. This is important. Yeah, I have the most important <laughs> thing in life. It's livelihoods <laughs> at stake. <laughs> I I love it, man. So I I, I want to know um, where do you plan on taking certain things? Are you going to keep on growing or you like the size that it's at right now? Uh, right now, I'm at a scale that I need to... Uh, just to fulfill our the current demand, even though I see it starting to slow down a bit, but it's it's not fully slowing down, I feel. Um I need to add probably a night shift in for my wood shop. That's something that we're really exploring and trying to plan and like have the office prepared to handle that and the production manager on the floor able to handle that influx and the amount of coordination and communication involved there which is very difficult for uh, our current workforce because you your clients can't uh or you can't build fast enough for your clients yeah i feel like that's currently where we're at and the only other way to expand is to uh grow the facilities uh which is another level of expense (laughs) yeah but you're already at a huge size man and also you got a healthy amount of employees too right yeah uh, it's optimizing their workspace, optimizing their work, optimizing pretty much everything. And that's kind of what we need to focus on the next year and standardizing the the, the non-standard parts. I got it. Uh, which is the fun way to say it. I want to share a little bit of history and cabinetry with you. We always, uh, it's kind of interesting. Cabinets were first used in the late Renaissance Italy and were designed for storing papers and other valuables. Did you know that? You probably knew a little bit. They must have taught it in school, no? No, they would never. Shut up. Start sanding. Just start sanding. We got raccoon paw prints here. Start sanding. Uh, They came from the realization that chests were useful for seating and frontal access to storage was more convenient. Thus, cabinets were often placed on the chest or a table before legs were added. Since cabinets held valuables, they were decorated with great displays and and monarchy. Carving, inlays, that's where all the fine cabinetry came in. French style came in. English style uh, was influenced by Chinese and Japanese. Uh, glass started coming in in the 18th century cabinet makers soon became the most highly regarded woodworker that's basically what they teach you guys in quebec there which i totally respect it's like it's not taught the same way here uh it needs to be uh refer uh, now a cabinet maker refers to the maker of relatively short-lived built-in cabinet furniture kitchen cabinets that's basically what you, you haven't gone into that world have you um no i've never attempted a kitchen i you get asked. Really suggest everyone to contact a real cuisinist. Uh, at one point during the pandemic, I was nervous with uh, with work, and in Quebec, you were only allowed to work for a period of time just for residential. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, I we should get into residential," and I quickly regretted uh, attempting to do such things. <laughs> Why? Why do you think that? Why would you regret that? You want to get into that world? I we took on like three residential jobs and all of them I 
I'm not cut out for that world. It's a different, not, it's uh, a different world. I'm not much of a people pleaser in that sense. It, it's not like, I, I think I'm a little less filtered and it, it comes off a little bad. And then it's, uh, I, I get a little frustrated sometimes with, uh, yeah. It's, per it's perfect for the hospitality industry. It's perfect. Great for the hospitality industry. You tell it how it is and, and people are, are okay with that. Yeah. Uh, when I told someone you need to have a, a floor track for sliding doors that are 10 feet high. Um, As you would. And they're like, no, we can't do a floor track. And I'm like, okay. So I, I built doors without a floor track. And they're like, why is it moving inwards? I'm like, well, I have the little floor bumper, but they're five feet wide by 10 feet high. Uh, you need a floor track. No, no floor track. I'm like, okay. So walk, walk off. And of course they hired someone after me and then back charged me for a floor, adding floor track. <laughs> so they didn't want to listen. I know what you're pointing at, right? I totally, am I missing the wrong one? Sorry, Hayes. I'm just, uh, there was probably, uh, I've already, Never mind. Don't worry. It's our technical issues on our end. No problem. No worries. No, no, it's all good. I'm enjoying this. Um, so I wanted to figure out, what is your favorite thing that you've ever seen when you've gone traveling or looked at or even locally that you've seen? Not necessarily your work. It could be your work as well, too, that you're like, damn, that's actually nice, man. Oh, fuck. Just I think it was uh, one of the, at JFK, there are these tables, Korean molded tables that I was actually working. I, was, I saw them. I admired them. And then I figured out I was working for the guy that built them. So it, it was really fun. They they were like these, they kind of look like a jet, the pebble-shaped tables, and they're just compound, angle, curved, everything, solid Korean, beautiful. At the airport? Yeah, at the JFK airport. Yeah, yeah, wow, wow. Yeah. How many tables were there? I think there were like three. Was it JFK? It could have been, uh, no, it, wasn't. it could have been LaGuardia. LaGuardia. I well, I mean, yeah. there was a bunch of rentals going on at LaGuardia because it, yeah. That was just a shithole of an airport. Uh, it needed a rental, basically. Yeah. So, so that stood out. Yeah, that one stood out tremendously. And then, like, fun stuff we've done. We've done a lot of fun stuff from, like, giant doors to, uh, I don't know, the current projects I'm on now, the UCAN project is probably one of my favorite things. So we, we've been pushing the bar in terms of, like, what we could do and really pushing like now it's always in commercial spaces everything's curved everything's curved laminate curved phoenix curved uh curved wood and like it's just fun to do that and it's complicated and we have curved korean cabinets that we're installing uh it's fun does it not get more challenging when you're trying to figure out table space or just shop space to try to first of all i guess build the spine and and then veneer it and then clamp it and glue it like how does it does it stop? It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It's just fun. It's like, uh, it's what interests me in that. It's pushing the boundaries, doing something different, doing something new. And uh, realistically, if, if we could draw it in uh, Microvellum, like our current uh, CAD software, we could produce it. And so as long as we could draw it in Microvellum, it's automatically transferred to our CNC and figure it out from there. Have you ever said no? Pays to a client? Have you ever said no? That can't be done. Uh, I try not to. Okay. Um, yeah, I really try not to. You're there, always up for the challenge. I, I like the challenging work. I think that's what has allowed me to constantly find new hires that are passionate about it. Like we don't have, 
I wouldn't say we don't have a, I don't think we even have, we don't have a, like, I haven't felt the labor shortage. Uh, really? People say that, that like the labor shortage, like, it's yeah, well, not. I mean, um, you're, you're in a, you're in a very cool industry. You know what I mean? I like mean, you're in a yeah. very like problem solving, cool, like you all. It's the right amount of hip, yeah. hip, hip industry. So yes. like, we're able to find people like whether from the schools, whether from word of mouth, whether like experienced, unexperienced, we're able to find people and our work allows us and like what we do allows us to stand out and be like probably a preferred place to go to. At least I, I feel that. And like, I've been told that by one of my, one of the staff, it's like, we're producing cooler stuff. You're not in a, an assembly line, just kneeling together cabinets all day. We're building something curved to one day, the next day we're working a ton of solid wood and it just goes from there. So it's, it's been a fun, uh, we try and do the fun projects. What's the uh, what's the species of uh, the flavor, I guess, of the year, or is it still white oak? Is that where everybody's going to? Well, realistically, it's always white oak and walnut. Yeah. And now, but the UCAM project, the one that we're on, it's it's all solid birch. We bought forty thousand board feet of solid birch, eight quarter solid birch. Wow. Yeah. Four. What's the price point of solid birch at compared to white oak? Uh, when we got the contract, it was about three thirty a board foot, and, and uh, since then it's gone up to about five. Uh, the peaked at about five, and then now it's dropped back down to like four twenty. I think it's not too bad. It's not crazy. It's gone like like this, and this is this is one year. Price changes. It it's, was nuts. I remember last November it was at three thirty when we first priced everything. Yeah. Then we bought our first truckload at four, and then uh, we had. I remember when it was at five twenty. I I just didn't buy. I I couldn't. It didn't make sense for the project. We had to hold off. Didn't delay anything. Luckily, but uh, yeah. And where's um? Are we getting our white? I, I know someone recently asked on this show. Are we getting the white oak from here, or is it coming from someplace else? Uh, depends. Uh, typically, I think the white oak is normally a. Someone's gonna correct me because I'm definitely wrong. I, don't I think know. it's like northeastern United US or like more in like uh, it might be. It might be, yeah. But walnut though, where's the walnut coming from? That's got to be here. I um, I don't think we produce Lily. I think Quebec. Well, at least Quebec. Of what I know is all we produce is maple, some birch, and uh, pine, pine, sap, uh, so, uh, Sap uh, sapien? No, not sapien. No, not sapien. Uh, I forget what it's called. Full, uh, full tom. Uh, we, we produce a bunch of softwoods here. Yeah, I guess out west because I know there was and there probably still is a shortage in mahogany, red cedar. There's a mm -hmm. shortage. Uh, so I just don't. Why? Why is it that? I mean, yeah, sure. White oak is a nice grain. Birch is a nice grain. Walnuts a nice grain. But there's other trees, man. Without killing the rainforest and getting all environmental and everything like that, there's other ashes. Ashes, ashes, beautiful. There's a ton of ash locally, yeah. And like it's as nice as white oak. You could stain it to look like white oak in a second, and like we stay after we stain white oak so many times for clients, and I don't get it, but we end up staining it a lot. So why won't they entertain the ash idea then? They just don't want it to be ash. It's a little looser of a grain. There's less ray fleck. So the ray fleck in the white oak is really what sets it apart, at least for me. Okay. It's the, the little lines that go horizontal, not vertical. And uh, it's 
yeah, that's what looks good. In my house, I did white oak, actually, uh, in the, the bathroom I built for myself. So, yeah. In the vanity? In the vanity, yeah. Vanity is all white oak. Nice. White oak, solid white oak uh, veneer. Wall mounted? Uh, no, it no. sits, sits down to the floor, tower up, and then uh, it's not really, I wouldn't call it shaker, but uh, it, it's <laughs> the the face, it's like an arch. So I, I did an arch across three drawers. Okay. So it's solid wood that looks like an arch and a veneer panel in the center just with vertical grain through it. But it looks like you actually carved out a solid piece of white oak? Um, No, not no. at all. It okay. looks like like a panel, a framing panel door. Yeah. But it's uh, a little different. Did you match the grain? No, you didn't. Oh, yeah, of course it's going to be a grain match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I want to also figure out. Doors without grain match. No, like, I know. Listen, I bought a job, and there was, I'm not saying any names, but there was a few panels that had to get changed several times because just grains were not matching, and and they tried to convince the client right in front of me. And I'm quiet as a mouse. I'm quiet as a mouse when I'm listening because I just like here's a shovel, keep on bearing, it doesn't matter, and I'll just stay quiet until the client turns to me and says, "What do you think, Manny?" And I I just I generally will say something like, "Even Stevie Wonder can see that that's not matching," and I walk away and that's it. I'm done. I'm done at that point. They have to change it. It has to match. It just has to work. It and then they start talking about the whole process. They can't get it matched. It's a crapshoot. We don't know. We don't know until we do it, and then it changes when you actually apply the sealer to it. And I'm like, oh. Just figure it out, basically, is what I'm trying to get at, right? That's your specialty, yeah. no? Well, for us, when we're doing cabinets that are next to each other and we're just doing shade sprays, you need to have them all in the booth at the same time and you spray them all at once. Same time. Or else it's going to come up different, no matter what. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know they were not doing that, and that's why I was getting so frustrated with it. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, okay, yeah. you're working on a bunch of stuff. You want to walk us through your whole process from meeting a client to delivering a product and are you i know you say you don't have the labor shortage are you having an install shortage install is impossible okay all right so you <laughs> that, are having that's, the... that's my labor shortage okay. is my install good and, and installers right. and uh especially locally with proper cards and insurances and we, well, we that's have right you guys team. have the whole ccq thing and Oh. The mafia and the, yeah, you, it's a it's whole the legal mafia. Oh that's it. that's man. It's like I, when I first heard about that and it just keeps on going and nobody's going to ever do anything. Cause if they do or try, then we'll end up in concrete and that's it. And all of a sudden, <laughs> and the best part is, uh, les bassins. So like the pool labor pools aren't open. They're closed. I know. It's, it's, I feel for you guys on that one, man. I feel really bad about that. So labor shortage on installs. It's hard to find those those trades, right? Yeah. Well, we have a few good installers that we sub out to, and they, they're all carded, and they give us the proper documentation, and that's all that matters. And, uh, yeah. but I'm Are you stuck. affected by the CCQ as a business owner? You're technically – are you? Anything in my shop – I'm, we're able to produce in my shop. Everything on site needs to have CCQ installers. Uh, as an employer with an RBQ license, I have my own CCQ employer card. Okay. Uh, and I could always ask for exemptions to have my employees be allowed to be allowed to have one or two employees on site. But they'll uh, have so, ask and denied or ask and approved? It's approved if the bassins are at ten percent or or lower, like uh, available space. So if if the bassin is almost open, then you're able to ask, and they'll be approved no, uh, without any any questions. Wow. 
Sometimes they, they'll be approved if you would say they need a certain special specialty, like finishing on site. I'm able to get that one approved easily. Uh, but the other ones, uh, just a guy to install cabinets. That's another story. I would love to get the CCQ on the show, but I think my first question would be, are you guys a mafia? And then the connection would just drop and it's done. Yeah. And that's it. The show's over. <laughs> uh, it needs to be in French. <laughs> it really, they don't I'll have a translator here. Then we'll just totally do yeah. a translator and then we'll go back and forth. That'll still be my first question. Are you guys a mafia? That's yeah. it. How do you say that in French? Are you guys a mafia? Oh, I have no clue. <laughs> those were gonna, I'm going to get a knock on the door, man. CCQ is going to go across the border <laughs> and come to me and head up in Toronto. We're looking for Manny Construction Life. Here you go. Yeah. Where's your card? Doesn't apply, man. Doesn't apply not to me. No, no. <laughs> so, well, uh, WSIB there, but that's basically yeah, but that's, that's normal. That's yeah, everywhere that's, we go here. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's working comms. Of course, that's normal. But everything else is just, it's no different than Tony fucking shaking you down. That's all it is, right? It's yeah. no different. It's the same thing. Just they're French. They're not there. Italian. That's all it is. This is the only well, there's a lot of Italian French. Yeah, I'm not getting into that whole world, man. I'm uh, gonna get into, go I'm gonna get into trouble, man. Uh, <laughs> walk hey, walk us through uh the whole process. So I know you hinted at so drawings come in, uh you love dealing with designers, you love dealing with architects, you love dealing with all those people. We, we have fun with them, and then we basically give a, a proposal of what it's gonna cost to build a certain area. We see if the, their project really fits our criteria. How do you price and that, Hayes? Like, how do you look at, it's a custom, one-off, difficult, cool. How do you price it? Uh, I have developed a ton of spreadsheets now to do that. Uh, thank you. Like, uh, Victoria, like, well, a member of our team has really put in a ton of hours in developing those with my feedback. And it's just come out pretty great that it's pretty accurate in terms of estimating hours per job, per 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 item per yeah. job amount of materials needed uh just from doing this for nine years it's you go by your rule of thumb of like how many it's like two hours to build a cabinet it's an extra hour to build every drawer it's and just have that calculated so all you need to enter it in is the length of the run the height the depth uh how many curves there are how many drawers there are how many doors it calculates all the material my cost for, per material as my overhead markup uh labor burden which is a huge one that pretty much everyone always forgets about yeah uh as well as employee employee labor rates and just really calculates everything and spits out numbers and she's pretty and, good you guys are are getting pretty good when you de deliver yeah we're pretty much i think the last four jobs we job costed we're at 96 percent of used hours Good. And the uh, material budget is at or slightly below what we use, unless we make a mistake. If there's a mistake on a panel and we need to buy new panels, like, yeah, the, the material budget's higher. But uh, pretty much what we estimate is has been pretty well aligned there. And that's just experience over the time, right? That's all it is. Yeah, I think we're, we're only on red five of that sheet, so it's not too bad. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's where it starts, and then you you cost it out, and then you go from we, there. We cost it out. They say go ahead. Then we produce shop drawings. Uh, shop drawings, typically, uh, we would produce our overview drawings, and uh, those take uh, anywhere from a week to four weeks to six weeks, depending on the amount of stuff we need to do. Uh, those shop drawings 
sometimes we have a revision or two or seven, depending on on the project, the job, the magnitude, the amount of the community involved. How many involved cooks in the in kitchen it. and everybody's got yeah. input. Yes, we get it. Yeah. We, we average it about like two, it's two revisions typically is, is our average, but some projects have gone way more than that and some have been way under that. So we go through that and uh, two revision with the client internally, we have a few uh, few revisions normally. Uh, from there, then we have a sit down with production staff for a design review. So we sit down all production team, really plan out the, the nuts and bolts, how everything's being done, if any assemblies need to be modified. And then we produce our production drafts. So the drafts the guys actually use on the floor, uh, which then have our full CNC takeoffs. And then basically from that, we schedule product, order materials, schedule production and run. Run it, yeah. assemble it, yeah. glue it, spray it, uh, yeah. package it, it the door, and then ship package it out. It, yeah. Either create it, order a truck to to the shop and deal with it all. Uh, yeah. And then the and install. The, yeah. Yeah. And then install. But installs, when we're dealing with stuff in the States, it's always handled by the contractor. So it's completely subbed out and it's been great with us. Uh, we have good partners pretty much. Pretty much everywhere i think I, i've met people that i would hire again uh from washington jersey new york uh la uh yeah from what i ever. gather down there they're very um efficient and they're very uh that's what i'm gathering is that the case or not um i, I wouldn't go with it's not just efficiency. It, it depends where it's at. Okay. Uh, certain areas that you have, you have uh, certain unions in certain areas. Oh, okay. Are, yeah, I do. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't factoring unions. I know. I stadiums, airports, things like that. You start dealing with the Teamsters. Hey, here we go. We go from the CCQ to the Teamsters. Yeah, I just inviting everybody to come knocking on my door right now. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It, it's not bad. Like, like realistically, the labor is pretty great down there. It's uh. Thing, they're able to think, they're able to solve problems. It's been pretty good. Um, they tell me what they need. We, we end up working together, finding solutions. It's not, uh, I, I haven't had ma any major issues on installs. And uh, they figured out how to place some pretty uh, crazy pieces into pretty crazy spots. So no no complaints with that. Have you gone even further? Are you Have you gone overseas? Have you built something for somebody? Not yet? Not yet. Okay. Uh, I'm still waiting for the day. I'm nervous to ship anything on a boat. Uh, uh, we had one time a, a, uh, a shipment of tables that the freight guy thought he was doing us a favor. He was like, oh, I, I got you a great rate. You put it on a reefer truck. So they, they picked it up in the short box at, at the shop. Then they switched it to a reefer truck because he got a better rate doing it. Went down to Florida in a reefer truck. So a refrigerated truck, these tables that are shot lacquer. They come out, they open it up. It's just water bubbles oh. through everything. Uh, luckily, I know there, there's a product that you could spray. So I was able to organize to get this uh, special product that you're able to spray on that basically dissolves the lacquer for like a, a few seconds, blends it together, and then lets it lets the air out, and then will will work. So they were able to spray this with the, that product, and it went back to normal. But it was uh, nerve-wracking. Not going to matter. How many tables? Uh, I think it was like 60. Oh, man. And every single one, right? Every single one was 
Oh, probably like five were still good. It was great. I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what else did I want to ask you, man? Um, what do you like building for your home? Like, are you still building uh, shoe boxes? Or, no, you're not doing that. You're going you're gonna to build your own kitchen? I am nervous. We're going to have to do a kitchen in Reno in probably about five, the next five years. Okay. Uh, we just moved it and moved into a new spot. So it's, uh, yeah. Why are well, you nervous about that? First. Pardon? Why are you nervous about that? Because it's Because I don't want to do it. You My don't... wife's the toughest customer. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> she expecting such a level? She's expecting a certain level, and I know I can't deliver on it, so I'm gonna have to hire that out 100. percent But she'll freak out if you hire somebody else to do it. You have to do it. <laughs> no, you have to do it, man. I think it's part of my pride, but like, yeah, I, I don't think I've built a kitchen since I was in school. It's been that far. So, and there's so much technology, so many things that you could do to it. Um, it's never easy. Know. If it's hey, if it's flat panels with uh, yeah, start with shaker white. That's it. Chantilly or CC. You like, just do the same thing over and over. No, no, that's not what you can no. do. You can't do that. For, for us, I, I don't even know what we'd want. Like, we, we need to live in a space. You need to feel how you want to live in it. And like, we have, we have a kitchen room and a dining room. My wife's saying to break down the wall. I don't want to do that. I'm not a big fan of uh, open concept. Having, the last place we lived in was fully open the, the main floor and the problem with that is that you have a wood floor in a kitchen and you can't have a wood floor in a kitchen but that's your I'm wife too your wife that. agrees with that uh yeah from our last place it was all oiled wood floors oiled walnut floors and it was my dog wrecked it our kitchen we we had to put carpets everywhere because it was just destroyed within a few weeks like if, you, if you're actually cooking inside a kitchen with oiled wood floors, the amount of upkeep, I remember I re-oiled that once a month and it was still looked like trash. So why is everybody doing wood floors in kitchens across North America? Open concept. Uh, who cares about open concept? Or Uber Eats. Yeah. <laughs> you, there's got to be a way to figure out how we can put, and I'm not talking about trying to get tile that looks like wood. There's got to be a way that we could put stone in the kitchen and still have our wood elsewhere, right? Yeah, or, you would have to do like a transition or just have separate rooms. Or have the walls, exactly. I'm still a fan. I'm a traditionalist. I don't like open concept. I like designated rooms. I like sit, like a dining room, family room, kitchen. I like that you have your breakfast area, but you have rooms and entryway in and out of those rooms. So then you've got a reason. You have a threshold to change the direction or change the flooring, change the material, change all that stuff. I don't yeah. like open concept, but everybody does wood in kitchens, man frustrates me man wood for the the cabinetry 100 percent. yes for the floor i'm i'm a little nervous with it it depends if you do like a really high durable solid oak floors with the two inch lats like they did in the old days yeah that, that that'll work in a kitchen that won't get too destroyed but uh yeah. but that has character and, and you damaging it only adds more character to it yeah That's if you're trying to do like a seven inch wide wide plank uh walnut or, or white oak like they have now with that white 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 or off-white or that gray color that i've been seeing everywhere everybody it's, uh, i know the grays or whatever it is and oh. you might as well photograph your floor and then get a picture and frame it and put it on the wall because that's the only way that floor is going to look good it'll stay looking yeah. good with the photograph it ain't going to be the real one yeah uh, we did restaurant where it was a white oak like uh 
herringbone floor the whole way across and it, it was beautiful when they installed it but after time like it, it starts showing some wear and it lo looks a little dirtier but it, it still looks good it still looks aged it looks like an old french bistro which is yeah. what it's supposed to look like but people don't want that in their homes they think it's just dirty no. i think it's character yeah call me crazy but that's i think it looks good yeah well for for this place we did it's a hundred year old house so we did all the when we had to take out all the plaster that had asbestos in it we had, when we put everything back in with gyps we end up redoing all the moldings exactly as they were so i had them all custom milled exactly how they were when we got the place because that's what we fell in love with and uh installed that myself so it was a lot of fun but that's like, not crazy so did you uh you went to a mill place to do the knives or was it yeah yeah there's uh there's a few specialty retailers for that here it's and, not crazy uh, expensive how much is it to do a set of knives for a molding like two three hundred bucks yeah, but he, he just adds into the price of the run yeah it's not that crazy he, if you think about it yeah i think it was like probably about three thousand total for just the just all the trim for the house which isn't bad for for a trim package yeah and you did it obviously in poplar no all poplar all yeah. poplar i know i i'm having arguments over and over mdf 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 i'm like not for trim no trim you're gonna have vacuum into it and stuff like even on our even on our furniture and everything we produce we try and do uh solid wood trim like anytime they have trim it's always solid wood edges we try and do everything solid wood uh i'm not a big fan with the laminates laminates on edges in a in a commercial space it's it's always iffy for me uh because it could chip out easily yep. if it's like that we, we need to be able to easily repair it because we're gonna end up having to do that at least once but uh yeah it happens and then you were mentioning that um the team that you guys got working for you and taking care of everything for you are they problem solvers too so they see the drawings come in, they set up the CNC, they do everything. Are they scratching their head and going, this is just too difficult? Or are they actually, they're, they're engaged and they want to solve this and fix it and build it, build it, right? Oh, sometimes there's complaints of like, how are we going to do this? But definitely it's, uh, everyone's pretty much going home and problem solving and delivering the best product. Like, yeah, I, I, I had to install, I had to create the, the budget, hours budget in-house. So... We didn't go overboard a little bit on making it like th there's levels of perfection that we could achieve and there's a level of perfection that's profitable and a level of perfection that's a little bit above board uh we like to veer on that level of perfection like just above profitability before it gets above board where we're, we're where we're losing our shirts on a job but again it needs to be done right and so it's it's making sure that happens and like keeping a certain level of quality control that it's done right it's done well and it's done on budget and uh those are like the three main things that we need to install but uh realistically finishing they they won't take shit yeah it's it's got to be a real sense of pride especially in the shop and you're taking those drawings and then you're building it and then you're seeing the finished product and it just looks stunning like it looks like it looks like someone else almost built it, but you guys built it. You put it together, and you could see the quality of it, right? It's it's weird when we ship stuff out and we don't see the finished product. Like a lot of the guys in the shop, until I actually started posting on social media and have well, have really having someone post some stuff on social media for me. Uh, until we, we started doing that, a lot of the guys in the shop didn't see the final product. That's a 
Like the wood shop will finish it. We'll, we'll finish doing the work. Then I'll be sent up to finishing. But most of our stuff is too big to, to really be fully mounted in the shop and, and not see it like in, in the grand scheme of the actual restaurant or coffee shop or mall. So like we'll build pieces in like segments that fit inside of our elevator. That's four foot by eight foot by, by 12 foot deep that goes upstairs to finishing, then it'll be finished. Then it'll either be wrapped and then sent back down to be packaged, to be shipped. So a lot of them don't see the final product. Um, and so it's a really adding in the, the social media, adding in really trying, trying our best to share pictures of what it looks like, uh, and what they built looks like and, and making sure everyone sees it. So, so you can be proud of it. it it's fun. Um, yeah. No, no, I could totally see that. I wanted to ask you, do you ever work with any clients here in Toronto? Have you sent any pieces this way? Uh, yeah, a bunch. Uh, we used to do, well, we still do a bunch of work with uh, Jack Astor's, like Circle Group. Yeah. Uh, we built out for uh, the guys over at Chef on Call over in uh, Waterloo, I think it was. Okay. And I think I did a Rotary Hospice over in... Uh, where was that? It was past Waterloo, where, where they have the Shakespeare place. I never remember Stratford, that area. Stratford. Yeah, Stratford. Okay, yeah. I did a ton of work at Square One in that mall there. Oh, really? With like Mad Nat. Mad Nat, we did the doors and some millwork there and like uh, a bunch of other stuff there. I'm like, well, that's totally, I didn't realize that, man. So that's all your work now. I got to take another look at it next time I'm there. Yeah, you see how terrible it is. <laughs> no, man. I want, hey, I want to ask you, no, and you don't have to answer it, and you don't have to give it up or any of that, but, I mean, you want to share some secrets uh, in shop or whatever? Like, is there particular glues that you use or little techniques that you know? I, you don't have to, because I know that there might uh, be trade secrets, right? So, Really? Like, the... The thing that I didn't focus on probably for like three, four years has set me back. And then like I've been focusing on it more recently is the keeping our numbers straight, like knowing our labor burn, knowing our costs, knowing everything. Like I wasn't fully aware of that until probably about three, three years ago. I was really able to dial it in and like focus on job costing and dealing with that. I, I didn't pay much attention to the back office. I was always more on the floor. And then I had a guy managing my drafts and he was really the COO and I was kind of production manager per se. Uh, and then COVID happened and we kind of switched roles and I kind of took the throne of there because we weren't heading in the right direction and uh, had to really focus in. So really it's knowing your numbers, knowing, knowing what it costs you to, to run a shop every day, uh, knowing that you need to pay yourself like a salary. Like, those are the things that I, I will tell everyone constantly. It's just knowing that you're running a business, not like a hobby. Uh, but is it I, hard for you to keep your design hat off? Because you're such a creative person that you, it's hard to let go of that design element. I mean, design's even in your name. Like, it's just like, it's part of the URL. Like, how do you keep it off? So then you can, it's uh, a business. Yeah. It's making sure that we keep to the design intent, but also keep the budget and, and ensuring that our we, we actually budgeted everything properly uh it is crucial ensuring like uh well the past two years had not being afraid to ask clients and tell them hey your prices are going up because the market's going up uh it, it's happening more and more but now we're, we're at a time where it's starting to stabilize at least in steel it's fully stabilized and got back to something reasonable uh wood still high and not moving anywhere right now but that's a whole other story uh I will go back up a little bit. Yeah, it's 
Yeah. For for me, it's focusing on that, focusing on the handoff of information, because now we're so many people in the office, it's really making sure that we hand off information, communicate clearly, and really standardize forms, practices, like operating a business versus operating a shop. It's two separate levels of thinking and thoughts. Like what, what works for a team of one to five is not what works for a team of five to 10 is just isn't what's going to work for a team 10 to 15 and so on. But it's so also it's really, a unique case. Like you're, right? you're, it's unique. It's your shop and the way you run things or the employees and the, the scope of work and the projects, it's all unique. You can't cookie cutter someone else's shop and apply those same principles to your shop. You have to figure out your shop. Isn't that the case? Yeah. You need to figure out your personnel and like, like what people, do and where, where they excel and really enable them to succeed. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was the best person doing that for a long time. I'm, I'm still learning, but like, uh, yeah, it, it's really getting that, that sense and being a, an actual business owner, uh, versus, a a guy, a guy working a, a salary job. Making shoe boxes that you can't move. They're too heavy. That kind oh, of yeah. idea. You can't do oh, that. Oh, we still have those instances where we built something and like uh, we had a, um, we have this banquette actually that is shipping out this week that we fabricated. And as we're fabricating, we're like, oh, this isn't going to go in the elevator to go up to finishing. And so the guys had to come up with a modification on the fly of how to make it so it could then be assembled in woodshop before shipping to the client in New Jersey and then be assembled again on site final. So it was nice. They, 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 you got to figure out uh, things on the fly. But, so you, uh, you didn't get one of the employees to walk up to the elevator with a grinder and cut a hole in the ceiling to kind of fit it in there? That wouldn't work? Uh, we didn't. Uh, we've already modified that elevator to give us the maximum opening in the floor still to see. it's been modified yeah it's freight only it's uh yeah it's a winch winch operated elevator yeah it's old school old school one but i also wanted to i mean i love that you're, you're sharing that information is great but i was thinking more of the techniques and what are you guys running in the shop there glue wise and uh machinery oh, glue wise type bond everything type on everything type on two, one two or three, three. Oh, standard wood glue, standard type on wood glue, the, yeah. the red one. Yes. And then type on three, if we need bigger open time or exterior projects. Yeah. Uh, a lot. I switched over actually, or I used to be using a lot of 2P10 uh, for, for instant glue. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, the fast cap one, the yeah. fast cap yeah. instant yeah. glue 2P10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we switched over from that over to the worth stuff because it's 10 it's times better and has a little bit of flexibility in it. It's 10 times like I carry one in my backpack with me all the time. It's not uh, good because I know that I've tried some of it sometimes and I wasn't completely happy with it, but you'd be using it 10,000 times more than, than I would be using it. So, yeah, it, it's a, it's a game saver for a lot of things. Like, uh, whenever we're siliconing anything in place or like we, we need to use like a, a silicone or any other glue on site, if you put a few dabs of 2P10 and then your glue, then at least you put the activator, it holds it in place, it sets, and then the actual adhesive sets, uh, has been crucial for us, like really having good relationship with our vendors. Uh, they give us heads up when things are about to go upwards in pricing. So they tell us something's about to, to go up in price. Let me know I should place my orders now or in the next week. Like before the last glass hike, I remember I got a call saying, hey, we're about to hike 
uh, glass is about to go up 40%. Like order right now, place your orders. I know you have a few to place. And so I put in way more than I needed right then. And so we got everything before the price increase. You and actually said so you actually got a, a call or an email saying that glass was going to increase 40% like that much at one time? Yeah, well, it, the thing was in started July. July 1st, it was supposed to happen. I got notified on June 12th that it was going to happen on July 1st. Wow. I put in all my POs before June 18th. On the 23rd, they said, actually, the price increase is happening now because there's too many orders. So they're asking you to come in, put the orders in, and now they're telling you that it's going up now. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, because it's because their vendor was increasing the pricing. So they had one last shipment of actual raw material. I have no clue how the glass industry works, but I, that's what I was heard. That's heard another of, mafia. I saw, yeah, it's another one. I, I saw it. Uh, well, you, when you look up in the news, uh, I thought the guy was joking with me. I thought he was making a joke, but yeah. About the glass? The inside website. Yeah. And then you, you always ask your vendors, like, well, what's the price range? Like, where's the prices headed? Like, we're trading wood's a commodity, steel's a commodity. So you need to ask ask your vendors. They know what their buyer is doing and they, they know what's coming down the pipeline. Uh, like, right now he's telling me, oh, yeah, the sheet stock we have now, amazing prices. Like, buy it now, the sheet stock, because it's going to go up eventually. Uh, yeah. What's some of the most expensive sheet goods that you guys have worked with, had a chance to work with? I built a table for a client out of solid ebony. Solid ebony? Solid ebony and stainless. And it was probably, he his whole criteria for the table, he was like, I want it to sink. If it hits water, I want it to sink. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he described it? Yeah. How much was black everything? This client, his kitchen was must have looked stunning, endless. man. It must have looked insane. It was cool. It was it was cool. It was, it was uh, fun to work with. He wanted only the blacks in it. We had to cut out all the light sections of ebony, so it was wow. jet black. Wow, wow! And this was a dining table? table. This was no kitchen table. You I can't do a dining table like that. Okay, you, you'll break the floor. You'll have to re-engineer the floor. He probably would. It might have been like $75 a board foot for it wet. And then we had to then send it to a vacuum kiln over, or it was a microwave kiln in Toronto, have it dried, and then ship it to Montreal to build it. Wow. I remember building with it, we would have to scuff sand. It was so, it's so waxy. You don't realize it because I've never, we've worked with Ebony probably twice before. It's so waxy that you need to scuff sand it first just before you're about to glue it, then glue it right away. And I forget which glue we had to do. We did a ton of tests of figuring out what's the best glue to use and everything because um, Type on 3, which normally works well with exotics, uh, didn't glue well. I forget which what they ended up using in the shop. Was it but, Type uh, on 1 or yeah. Type on 1 was reacting better than Type on 3? No, no, no. Or no. something it, else, it yeah. to, You need to do either Type on 3 or it was an epoxy-based glue or, or an Acfist or a polyurethane. I forget what they used in the end. It's written somewhere in our notes on that job. How hard but, was it to scuff it? Was it? Re it's a hard wood. So Super how, hard. Yeah. It was bad on tooling. I remember our planer, uh, the double side. We couldn't throw through the double side planer. We were nervous to take off too much. Uh, but then we threw it through the single sided, but it just dulled the blades. 
and and dull planar blades is probably the worst sound in the world. Oh, I know it's like a rat. It's the ship is going down. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. The ship is going down. No, yeah. wow, but that would still look. And then it was a metal frame, metal table legs or something. Stainless steel table legs, stainless steel breadboards, uh, all number four polish, and it was definitely uh, a fun, a fun thing. And it, we designed it. It was like very Japanese inspired, so it was like uh, these nice U's. It actually ended up looking when we looked at pictures of it after we constructed it. You start seeing like, oh, this thing looks like the Olympic Stadium. Like it looks like the it looks the arm like, or whatever. Yeah, the arm was coming out each way and like kind of cusping it. It was cool. So who did the stainless? You guys did it in house. Yeah, we did it in house. So the welding and everything. We did. Uh, no, actually, that one. We didn't do it in-house. I actually subbed it out to uh, a friend who specializes in like crazy mechanisms and crazy things. And how were the um, welds? The welds were solid? Welds were solid, really yeah. solid. And it was pretty nice to do that three-way curves and everything. That must have been nice, man. I can't, I can only imagine. If you got a picture, I'd love to see it. Or it's not on your feet, is it? Uh, it's probably on my feet somewhere. I, I'm sure I could pull a picture for right, him. I, I'd love to say, take a look at that. So he was happy and he went inside the house and he was totally happy with it. It was great. He was happy with it. Yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. Uh, that was definitely probably one of the most challenging builds. We've but that's done. what you're looking for. No, you're looking for those kinds of things. Yeah. It was a small challenging build that I completely underpriced. I remember my budget for, for, yeah. <laughs> but you learned a lot. <laughs> you learn, you learned a lot and you learned, uh, yeah. It was definitely something, uh, something else. <laughs> what's the Hayes? What's the wood that you're so fed up with, man? Uh, when we did a, we did a coffee shop of, with vertical grain dug fir, and the splinters that you get from that is ridiculous. It's beautiful. It's beautiful wood. I love the wood. Amazing. The grain. It's got a nice honey so kind nice. of tone. It's it, it's a nice color. It is a nice it's beautiful. Color. Yeah. Okay. But it's the splinters, great. the splinters are really bad. Splinters there were terrible. I just remember getting splintered and that was probably one of, yeah. And it was a very time, long build. And I, I remember like 16 hour days on that. And it was weeks of those to get that stuff done. What are you using fun. for uh sanders, man? Hand sanders. Uh, for for we have wide belts, so like we we use a fifty inch wide belt sander. You have so a fifty. We, you have a fifty inch wide belt. Yeah. Is it one of those? Um, what do you call it, like an S kind of thing? Or you you got to? No, it's it goes like this. It's a you put it's a machine. You you put yeah. Uh, yeah. So the yeah. belt itself, how long is the belt? It's like huge, man. I think it's like one hundred and twelve inches long by fifty inches wide. Holy cow, man! So. Basically it's pretty big. Over nine. Wow. Yeah, I've but, never changed one of those. How are you myself. keeping it clean? Oh, my, my guys deal with it. I, I've literally i I know how to run the machine. Unfortunately, I've never changed anything. I, I, I'm not afraid to say that. I could tell you how to run it just because the guys wrote a nice description of how to run it. I wasn't there for training <laughs> on it. Again, I, I've been focusing on the office, on the business, on, on the business, on the business, on being on site, on installs, and I trust like uh, Joe and Nick, uh, really my two two main hands in the wood shop and finishing areas. Like they've been with me, like working with me probably I think seven or eight years, 
So they've been there for a while and like, I trust them. They just handle that part because right now there's enough to deal with. Um, yeah. Is there something, Hayes, that you haven't built that you want to build that's just been there? Maybe a project that came across your table that didn't get approved, didn't get moved forward. Didn't, is there something? Oh, there's one probably every week. One uh, every week. Oh, something we get, like, I really wanted to build this client didn't have budget. It was a, a, a palm tree, a chrome palm tree out of steel. So like chrome steel palm tree. And the trunk and everything and the, and the, the leaves. Trunk, the whole shebang, the leaves oh, uplit with LEDs. It wow. Would, it's going to look amazing. I really hope whoever builds it is going to do it justice. I, I wish, but again, I don't want to pay to build it for someone uh, this was it, for a backyard. Not. This must have been for a backyard project. No, it's, this is for uh, a boutique. A boutique. Okay. All right. How big of yeah, a palm a tree was in it? Florida? It was. Uh, I think it was ten feet high with a five foot diameter like spread. Spread. Yeah. Nine inch, nine or ten inch trunk. Man, wouldn't that be like a series of knives at that point? Like, the, oh, the, it'll be cool. But yeah. If, but if someone were to trip or if that were to fall. That's a horror movie. If that thing falls, it's a bad lawsuit. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's safe too, so it's a, it's even worse. <sighs> Litigation is crazy over there, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm just good. picturing it. I'm picturing how cool it would look, but it'd be very dangerous, man. Well, your your welds need to be strong. That's it. Yeah. You gotta trust your, well, your welds. So you imagine that kind of story? You've been impaled by a palm tree. You die <laughs> from a palm tree. <laughs> uh, we almost had one for. Uh, we did a bunch of hanging shards of brass, like literally shards. They're, they're little trapezoids and they're hanging on, um, I forget what it's called, clevis pins or whatever. Okay. But the client asked for like really sharp angles on it. I think it was like a 60 degree angle, uh, a 60 degree angle and it's facing downwards and it's hanging from the ceiling. And this is, this is in New Jersey and everything's seismic rate. So we're not nervous about it, but the GC got nervous about uh the gc got nervous about hey this looks like something that will kill someone we should just round off so he went he took it upon himself and just rounded off the corners of every single piece it was 165 individual pieces and the client didn't freak out that he was rounding off all these points the client was fine with him and he, he told the clients but yeah I and mean, it was it's something you got to be careful sometimes as much as it's cool and everything you got to be careful man yeah what would we have that was scary? So every single week, Hayes, you got something that comes across the table and you're like, oh, um, I'd love to build it, but we can't. Yeah, we're building while well, we have the plans or we're, we have the project. I'm still waiting for it, but we have the plans to build uh, our first uh, museum. It's been, yeah, all the millwork for museum. I've never done one of those. It's always been something I wanted to do because you just think about it. You're, someone's in there to look at art and then all my millwork's there. It's that's kind nice. of the next the, the next step of it but uh that, what's, what that's type, fun. what's the type of museum what are you talking about here it's a fine arts museum over in uh in the states oh wow eh? that yeah. would be pretty so slick it's, yeah it's gonna be fun i i just can't wait to right now they're finally closing the shell of the building i think they're both uh almost a year delayed probably because i think I, I was supposed to deliver in june I was supposed to start deliveries in June and finish deliveries in October, but uh, that whole thing kept on getting delayed, delayed, delayed. And I think they're supposed to be closing the shell in uh, 
January. So I need to go down to Buffalo. Oh yeah, that's when's Buffalo. I need to go down there in uh, February, which is going to be a, a fun trip That'll to be measure. Fun. That'll be interesting. That'll be cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to ask you something. I totally forgot it, man. I missed oh. no Um, I'm trying to figure out, uh, is it ever get too much for you, Hayes? Like, it seems like there's so much going on between clients coming out to you, you having to tender, you looking at the possibilities, you being rejected, not getting the job, you getting the job and wanting to do the job, but then it becomes challenging. You can't do the job because they don't have the budget, uh, the, the workforce, the material delays, like it just, it ever get way too much for you, man? Uh, yeah, there's times where I just, you need to turn off your phone. Like weekends I take to myself and that's it. And it's good to some, hear that. Nights, some nights I go back to work, like, but I always make it a point. Uh, every morning I'm with my daughter 6 a.m. till I drop her off at school at 8 a.m. I make sure I'm home by 5, 5 no matter what. I stop work and need to start making dinner and do that whole thing. And then after my daughter goes to sleep, I, I could technically go back to work if I need to, but uh, yeah, it depends. Or I wake up early to deal with it. It, it depends on the day, but uh, you got to make the time for that. But you also need to live and keep a keep a life. Of course. Uh, too much for me. It, they, there are days when you want to quit. I, I think pretty much any business owner will tell you that. Like there, there are days that you need to really like give yourself motivation, remind yourself what you're doing, why you're doing it. And really, it's not just you that depends on it. It's your family. It's really other people's families. Like I have a direct impact on 15 people's families and it's taking that responsibility and knowing that I remember, uh, yeah, there, there was one point actually probably, I think it was like last week. It was, do we hire two people for a role? Cause there, there are two really good candidates for a role. And we hire two and then like, yeah, I could support both of them with with work for the next three months. But like in four months, will I have enough to support them? And so I didn't want to take that risk. We don't, we're only hiring one for that role because that's what needs to happen. You, you don't want to take on more than we're able to handle or more than you feel comfortable with. But yeah, again, totally all agree. risk, you never yeah. know. So it never gets too, well, it gets too much, but you, you handle it, you go with it. That's it. You need to handle it, go with it. Like I have a business coaching is probably the best thing I, I've done, which is really having someone there that you're able to bounce ideas off of support group of people that are in trenches, similar positions that really you're able to reach out to say, Hey, I'm having this issue. And like, they'll tell you they had that issue two weeks ago and this is what they did. It might work in your situation. It might not, but just knowing that other people go through the same shit that you go through. It's like that. A lot of that happens in this industry. A lot of that needs oh, yeah. to happen in this industry. Yeah, having communities is huge. Yeah. All right, man. We want to do, uh, let's do the 12 questions. You ready for that? Yeah. Uh, I want everybody, we're talking to Hayes here. Uh, www.hn.design, info at hn.design. On Instagram, Hayes Newman Design. What is your favorite construction word? Approved. What is your least favorite construction word? Change order. <laughs> what turns you on in construction? Really like seeing the, the completed project, seeing, seeing the pieces done. It's, yeah. What turns you off in construction? 
change orders pretty much <laughs> what's your favorite curse word uh, fuck or go fuck yourself what's your favorite vehicle in the entire world oh man i really i, I just love a pickup truck not not to be anything it's the versatility you can handle everything there I thought it'd be, I, I thought it might be like a station wagon with wood paneling on it or something like that. <laughs> oh no, I need to keep whatever's in my storage away from my own life. I know, life. I and know. so I used to have an SUV for the longest time and then I would just throw wood in it and it would just be full of fucking dust. Now uh yeah. I've been there. I've been there. It's nice to have somewhat full of dust. Yeah, the work yeah. vehicle and then your car, and then you get so particular about your car having dust in it. And I was like, I need an environment to get out of my environment so then I could be sane. Stay sane. Yeah. No, I know, yeah. I know. What is your least favorite vehicle? Uh Suzuki sidekick. Well, I remember those. They're ugly as hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you love? Oh, uh, man really it's uh the the cnc starting up like when it just starts it, it makes like a mm sound the second you t you click start the program it's the, the best sound i mean shit's getting done what construction sound or noise do you hate uh the oscillating tool or we call it a zinger but a zinger. Uh, yeah. i call it the sewing zinger. machine i know it's just like annoying like a really bad sewing machine it's so useful, but it's so it's the worst sound. There's got to be a way that someone's got to design to be quiet. I don't understand how they can't make it quieter. I don't know how you would do it, but I don't know how. And like we have the loudest one, but it's great. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, fuck, I don't know. Uh, realistically, uh probably a real estate or some real estate agent investor sort of realm nice uh what profession would you not like to do uh, accountant last question if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates welcome that's all you need to say man yeah. hey it's absolute pleasure i think we covered is there anything else you want to share or little i guess well, kids coming into the industry and they want to get into your shop uh what 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 reach out say? like really like we need more people in pretty much every trade like uh, i see it everywhere so it's like don't be afraid to join and like there's shit ton of money to be made and it's realistically tech tech industry is going to be outsourced faster than manufacturing going to come back and that's it i agree uh, i agree totally man hey it's an absolute pleasure man thank you so much sorry for all the glitches back and forth but uh all good to finally get you on the show man and all the best of the business and uh good luck with your kitchen and there's a lot of guys here that you can reach out and uh, speak to about kitchens and uh what to do and what not to do and please please for my sake i don't want to see a white shaker if possible don't do a white shaker oh. kitchen please hey. blue shaker that's it <laughs> Everybody again, Hayes is uh, design and it's info at hn.design and it's Hayes Newman at, uh, sorry, Hayes Newman Design on Instagram. Hayes, man, thanks so much, brother. I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. And we are out of here. Thanks, Angelina.